0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, October 3rd, 2013. Today we are reading from the big book. We are in Chapter 7, Working with Others, and we're on page 90 at the top of that page when you discover a prospect. The reference number for yesterday's meeting, which was Wednesday, October 2nd, is 5239. That's 5239. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Diane G to please read the 12 Steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane from New Hampshire, Compulsive Overeater. 12 Steps, number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane. I'd now like to ask Sharon H. to please read the 12 Traditions. Press star one to unmute Sharon. Janice, this is Melanie, I can do that. All right, thanks, Melanie. Welcome. The twelve traditions. Number one, our commonwealth should come first. Personal recovery depends upon away unity. Two, for our group purpose, there's but one ultimate authority, a loving God as He may express Himself in our group conscience. television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Yeah. Thank you, Melanie. We help each other. I love that. All right. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Today we resume our study of the big book, and we are in the chapter, Chapter 7, Working with Others. And today we are on page 90 in that chapter, and at the top of the page we're going to begin there. And I'd like to ask Chelsea to please get us started.
2: Okay, this is Chelsea. I'm recovered today by the grace of my power greater than myself. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous... Find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity. This advice is given for his family also. They should be patient, realizing they are dealing with a sick person. Um, This chapter here giving us directions on how we are supposed to work with others because the book never really says anything about sponsoring, but it does say working with others. And if the prospect is not ready, we don't need to beat them over the head with this. We need to be available so when they are ready, that we're able to be effective and to be able to carry this message to them. And it kind of reminds me of what we read about in Bill's story back on page 14, and I know during my studies I was referred back to this page during this part, Um, On page 14 at the bottom paragraph, it says, My friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly, was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me? Faith without works is dead, he said. And how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, He could not survive the certain trials, the certain trials in low spots ahead. So there's going to be bumpy patches, just like life always offers us. But this is telling us, and it told us at the beginning of the chapter, that the only way we can ensure immunity, because we have a disease, so the only way we can ensure immunity from it is working with others. Others can also, for me, others have meant family, my neighborhood I live in, life in general, when I'm at the gym or when I'm going to a meeting or wherever, wherever I'm at to practice it in all my affairs. And I'm carrying this message. I'm not carrying a message that Chelsea wants to convey on someone. I don't have that kind of power, as it was pointed out to me by my sponsor, because when I first started working with others, I was a little overzealous, and I just wanted everybody to recover because I was so glory. I just felt so much glory about having – found that source within myself that was greater than me, that was able to relieve me of the bondage of self. Self had been put down, had been put in check. And I am to carry that message, that there is recovery, that there is recovery and that it's in these pages of this big book. And as long as I'm carrying that and not carrying the message of Chelsea, then I will be effective in helping others to um, deal with this, impossible disease thanks for letting me share
0: thank you kelsey would anyone like to comment on this paragraph this is kim go ahead miss kim good morning janice good morning my fellows my name is kim g and i'm a recovered compulsive overeater from south jersey if he does not want to stop drinking don't waste your time time trying to persuade him so this is this is essential this is absolutely essential. What is stopping drinking? Do you want to stop for good? And think of this, if you are, you know, beginning this process or you're working with others, if you're beginning this process, do you really want to stop? You know, when I came into L.A., what I wanted you to teach me is how to moderate. I wanted you to teach me how I could control and enjoy my eating. I was willing to stop till I got off 20 or 30 pounds. I was willing to stop until my friend's wedding because that's why you know, I wanted to get down to a certain size to be in my friend's wedding. But we have to know, does that prospect really want to stop drinking or are they looking for a temporary respite? If you're beginning, are you looking for a temporary respite or do you understand that you have this allergy of the body that will never change, you will always have that, and you have this obsession of the mind That's going to bring you back to the food, even if you're able to stay abstinent for a certain amount of time. So that's what we're trying to ascertain. We're qualifying this person. If somebody does not want to stop drinking, you know, think of Fred's story. Are you lit this time? Are you finally lit? And he had to concede he was. If the prospect is not conceding, if they're giving you excuses, they're telling you, well, maybe when the holidays are over or I'll just, you know, I, I, not right now. The kids are starting school or, you know, it's a busy time at work. If they're not ready to stop, leave them alone. Leave them alone so that when they're ready to stop, you've disturbed them enough that they'll ask you for help. So our job is to lay that spiritual toolkit at their feet. Their job is they need to decide whether to pick it up. And this is why it's so essential. And this is, once again, how the fellowship and the program of recovery is different. Working with others is after you have completed step 11. Why is that? Because with the fellowship telling us at 30 days we should be sponsoring, at step 3 we should be sponsoring, we don't have the neutrality around the food yet. So what we're doing is we're teaching them our diet. We're teaching them our food plan. We're forcing our food plan on them because that's the only thing we know. The book is stating you wait till you've had your spiritual awakening. You're ceasing fighting anything or anyone. You've got neutrality around the food, and now you can carry this message, and this message is a spiritual awakening will remove the obsession of the mind. The message is not I'm going to give you my food plan and you're going to lose weight. So we have to be sure what we're offering. And as the new person, you have to be sure what you're accepting, which is you are going to stop drinking. You're not going to moderate. You're not going to be able to control and enjoy it. This is not a temporary respite. And that is so essential. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph?
3: Good morning, it's Leah.
0: Morning, morning, Leia. Go ahead.
3: Excuse me. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Janice. Thank you for your service. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, wanted to comment on this statement. Um, when you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. Um, you know, that always helps me to, uh, you know, highlight some of the areas that I may feel that the still suffering compulsive overeater will be able to identify in with me. Um, so that helps me kind of navigate and, and give it the best shot I have if I uh, have found out about them. Uh, you know, I'm trying to create a bridge for somebody. I, I want to create an environment where they they can be successful. Obviously, it's it's not about me. It's about you know, God, God's timing. Um, But, you know, I follow the instructions of the book. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity. Um, You know, These are instructions that were uh, written out of experience. It may seem harsh, you know, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You know, but willingness is a one-person job. Um, You know, when I reflect on my history, um, you know, the disease had to beat me into a state of reasonableness. It wasn't anybody twisting my arm. Uh, You know, I recall the years between... 1982 and 1987, there were perhaps a lot of people that were trying to speak to me. I was not in a place where I was ready. Um, You know, pain was the greatest motivator to effectuate change in someone like me, a real compulsive overeater like me. Um, And this idea of not trying to persuade somebody and twist somebody's arm into recovery is something that's mentioned you know a few times in this book you know if you if you flip uh Forward a little bit onto uh, page 96, it says, you know, we find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. If you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by himself. Why is he going to become convinced that he can't recover by himself? Because the disease is going to do that job. You know, because if we don't deal with the disease, it will deal with us. That's a promise you know so i don't have to uh you know waste my breath or my energy trying to force this thing down anybody's throat the disease will do its job it's very uh, persistent and committed to the task you know if you look in the back of the book um Al- anonymous number 3 on page 186 uh It, too, you know, this is Bill and Bob uh, speaking to uh, Anonymous number three. We know him as Bill D. Um, You know, they have the same idea here. You uh, You know, well, I believe he's worth saving and working on. They said to me, do you want to quit drinking? It's none of our business about your drinking. We're not up here trying to take any of your rights or privileges away from you. But we have a program whereby we think we can stay sober, meaning we have a program of recovery that has worked, that has allowed us to recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and here we are willing to offer it to you. Do you want to quit drinking? It says here, part of that program is that we take it to someone else, right? They were they were recovered and they were now implementing Step 12. We take this program to someone else that needs it and wants it. Now, if you don't want it, we'll not take up your time and we'll be going and looking for someone else. That's it. You know, this is not about forcing it down of somebody's throat. Uh, my stability as a sponsor comes out of trying to give not out of demanding that I receive. This program essentially is about love. I'm trying to plant seeds. That's the best I can do is be an agent of God out of gratitude of my heart for all that's been given to me and to convey this message of recovery. And if someone is beaten enough that they are ready to submit themselves to this process, then the growth can begin. And if they're not in that place, well, it's just a reminder that willingness is a one-person job and I'll be on my way. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Leah.
3: Well, this is Janice, and I am
0: a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Yes, when you discover a prospect, find out all you can about him. You know, I remember that all so well. That was a good lesson for me. It was a very good lesson for me. Is this person at all like me? You know, do they have some of the same things in their life that I have in my life? And even if they don't, even if the details are, the same, are not the same, even if their situation is somewhat different, have they suffered? Have they suffered the same way that I have suffered? You know, it was a good information for me to have, good message for me to be given because it reminded me of who I was and what I was up against. And isn't that the point? Isn't that the point? You know, there's a wonderful saying, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. You know, I cannot convince anyone. I cannot cajole them into it. I cannot twist their arm. And I don't need to. I don't need to. You know, I too, like, like we've heard before, had, had, I was on fire. I was on fire with the recovery that I was experiencing, because it had been a long time coming for me. And so I wanted to give that possibility to anybody who who might need it, but they had to want it. They had to want it. And if they didn't want it, maybe they'd want it later. You know, maybe I could plant a seed and maybe they'd want it later. And, you know, the big book is very clear. You know, it says things like job or no job, wife or no wife, parents, children, whoever may want it for you, we cannot give it to you unless you want it. You know, and so although those things cannot stop your recovery when you want it, it may stop your recovery if you're not ready yet. You know, too many people coming at you from too many places, if you're anything like me, telling me I had a problem. Well, guess what? I already knew I had a problem. But until I was at that place of readiness and willingness, no matter what anybody said, I wasn't going to be able to hear it. You know, I remember years and years and years before I ever really found recovery, being in a situation where this woman was showing me her 30-day medallion. And she was so excited. You know, her eyes were shining when I look back on it. She was so happy. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, you poor thing. You poor thing. If that's all you've got to be excited about in your life. You know, when I think back on it, oh, the, the, the long time yet coming for me. But the disease beat me into that state where I was reasonable, willing, open, where my ears were open and I could hear what was there before me in someone who has recovered. You know, but if we try too hard, if we push too hard, if we try too much convincing and cajoling and arm-twisting, we may spoil a later opportunity. But we offer friendship and fellowship, a quiet understanding, I've been where you are, I know what you're going through, and here's my experience. You know, maybe later on, that will look very attractive to somebody when they're down far enough like I was. So with that, I will pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? All right, we'll move on to the next paragraph then, and Katie, if you could read that for us. Good morning, this is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. If there's any indication that he wants to stop, have a good talk with the person most interested in him, usually his wife. Get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition, and his religious learning. You need this information to put yourself in his place, to see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned well um I you know they're just they're saying here that uh we should try to to um, to understand the person you know we we can't walk up to a, a total stranger and just start um relating to them the same way we would relate to someone that we've known for years and you know, this is not, I mean, this was written in 1939 and, and I don't know that this is the experience that too many of us have today where we talk to a person's spouse. But I have had, um, you know, situations where, you know, I had this one sponsee who, um, she stopped calling me and I, so I called her. And, you know, I would just call her every now and then, and she wouldn't call back. And I, fa- I ran into her one day, and I found out that her family had these big notes on their refrigerator, call Katie, please call Katie. You know, but but I didn't know that they, you know, wanted me to help their mother or their wife. Um, you know, sometimes I wish I I had tried to talk to that other person, but... You know, the fact is, we have to um, be—we have to meet people where they are. We have—we can't just throw our whole, our whole life story on them because, um, you know, that can um, can turn them off or can be too overwhelming. But we want to try to understand the perspective that someone is coming from, and and. Identify with them and uh, reassure them that no matter what they've done, no matter where they are, that we have a higher power and we've found tapped into this higher power that can help anyone that nobody is too far gone you know i um just you know I think about how I shared um i mean i can't I can't even begin to name or recall how many people I have shared my program with. Um, Are they all recovered today? No, they're not. And I can't put that on myself, you know, that I did it wrong or, or I'm, you know, not good at this or whatever because my job is to carry the message and to remember where I've come from so that I don't have to go back and repeat it to make myself available to whoever wants to, you know, to have this. I, I, um, you know, sent an email to someone a few months ago and said, you know, because I, I know how much she's struggling. Um, she's not in the room, but, you know, I know her in other areas of my life. And I just said, you know, I have this program. I, I want you to know about it. I don't want to feel like I'm hiding it from you. And you're welcome to be a part of it at any time. And I'm available to talk to you about it any time. And you know what that? You know, I just believe that that seed has been planted. Has she run to my meeting? Has she been on this line? Have I heard her? No, not yet. Not yet. But I have done my part, and that's all I can do. And, you know, I um, think that this is telling us to to just... You know, learn to listen. That's what I that's what I get so much out of these first two pages we've read of this chapter is this is about not being all about me and me not being so busy thinking about what I'm gonna say next, but to actually listen to what people are saying and listen to what they're asking me and see where God wants me to help them. And with that I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph?
4: This is Paula. May I share?
0: Go ahead, Paula. Thank you, Janice, and thank you for your service. You know, I want to scoot on down to this last line. And This last line is what I must always keep in mind. How would you like him to approach you if the tables were turned? Well, see, I knew what it was like to have the tables turned. I was where they were.
4: That's how I speak to them.
0: And I remember the last line on the on that page. And this is my mantra. To be helpful is our only aim. I have no idea what the outcome it will be for their life, no more than I do for mine. But I will tell you, the listening is where it's at. You know, every morning when I ask God, he says, sweetheart,
4: you've got the
5: talking down pat. The listening, more work to be done. Because in the listening is what you, when you find out so much. Even in the
0: pauses, so much is said. Even in when the intake of breath, so much is said. How can that be? You listen. You listen. You continue to listen. And it says here, if there is any indication, that's it, any indication, when he stops, when he pauses, when he looks you in the eye, finally, because his eyes are downcast, if there is any indication that he wants to stop, that's all. The desire. Then I proceed, and then I stand beside, and then I go along with. The rest, as we all know, is up to God. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Paula, would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sally.
6: Lois. Go ahead,
0: Sally, and then Lois. Thank you, Janice. Good morning. Good morning, A Vision for you. I see these two paragraphs as going together, actually, um, the top of the page where it says, find out all you can about him. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. And then moving on down, it's finally at the last line. It says, you need this information this information that you found out all you can about him. And here it says in this paragraph, if there is any indication that he wants to stop, we've, we've made some very important distinctions, that it's not that he wants a reprieve, that he wants to lose some, some weight in our case, but that he actually is done. Is he done? Is he finished? Has he had enough of the beating? Have a good talk with the person most interested in him, usually his wife, and it asks us to get this information, get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition, and his religious leanings. You know, at one time in my life, I was in sales, and I remember learning a very important sales concept that was drilled into me for years. They kept saying, you need to memorize this. It's called feel felt found. And I see it applied right here. I think it's Bill's salesmanship at play. Feel felt found. I know how you feel. I felt the same way. But I have found that was the sales the sales principle that was drilled into me. Feel felt found. I don't know whether they had this feel-felt found way back in the 1939 period when this book was published, but I know that that's what I see here being done. He's gathering information so that he can find out, is this guy anything like me? Can I possibly relate to him so that he can identify with me? Can I possibly gather enough information about his, his behavior, his problems, his background and the seriousness of his condition and even his religious leanings so that perhaps I can see where he and I are similar, where we are alike, so that he can identify with me, so that I can meet him where he is. And of course, this important sentence, not to persist so that we don't spoil a later opportunity. But it's an important thing for me to keep in mind when I'm talking with someone, to get an understanding of where they've been, where they are, what's been happening. Are they done? Are they finished with this? Because there's no sense in going forward unless they're, they're absolutely finished. And then, of course, this precious sentence to see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned.
6: Thanks for letting me share with that I pass. Thank you, Sally. Go ahead, Lois. Hi, good morning, Janice, and everyone else on the vision for you. This is Lois, recovered in Massachusetts. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this is such a, um, a ripe <laughs> few, few few, paragraphs. Um, well, from a, from a recovering, when I was a re- early in my recovery, and, and the big book says, find out all you can about him, and, and I was able to experience that from a new person, I I was just I was just taken aback and it was the beginning of um beginning to feel um the love of the program that first of all somebody was listening to me they really wanted to know about me you know I mean I had been a long time since anybody looked with that, with so much interest to what was going on, especially with my, you know, my my compulsive overeating problem. Uh, you know, my family didn't want to hear anything about it. I felt very different in the regular OA meetings. I couldn't I couldn't stay abstinent. I could get absent. I couldn't stay abstinent. I couldn't stay stopped. And and I was always kind of like talking about that but I didn't always hear anybody else talking about that. So anyway, uh for me it was it was an invitation, you know, to uh to to talk about myself in in a way with I heard the care in the person's voice and the concern. And that was the beginning for me. You know, I remember this um one of my first sponsors in a right re- in the regular OA said, "You know, I know we have been both struggling. She was struggling too." And she said, you know, I, I found this big book step study on online a few years ago, and she said, and it was the first time I got any hope in a long time. And she said, and this was, these were her words. She said, I don't know if it if if it works for you, but why don't you give them a call? And it, you know, it, it worked for me. So uh, that was the way she put it, and and I I needed that. I yearned for it. You know, I I needed to to. Grasp at any little hope I had, and that was the beginning of somebody you know caring enough to reach out to me, in in an invitation you know who who understood where I was because she had the same problem, and then I also wanted to comment um, from a sponsor like this is this is the twelfth step, and um, having come through step one through twelve, I've learned you know in my own recovery and in my journey that you know when I made when I. Made a decision to turn my will and my life over to God, that I was going to ask His help in all that I do, and I, I still continue to do that today. Um, I, when when I have time to sponsor or as I'm sponsoring, I would uh, pray for that person. I would pray for my my guidance. I would pray for guidance to help me be of service to this person, and and I would wait and pause for the answer and that has never, you know, failed me. I I know I don't have to figure everything out because if I'm trying to get the right phrase to get this person abstinent, I know it's my ego creeping in, and it's not about me. It's about my inviting, you know, opening the invitation to be of service to this person. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you, Janice.
0: Thank you, Lois. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? It's Leah. Go ahead, Leah.
5: Thank you. Hello, this is Rachel from Jerusalem. May I, Janice?
3: We're going to have Leah and then Rachel.
5: Thank you. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Janice. Get an idea Mm -hmm. of his behavior, his problems. His background, the seriousness of his condition, and his religious leanings. You need this information to put yourself in his place to see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. Again, this is where the identification process is so important and comes into play. Um, you know, I'm reminded on page 18 of the italics. It says, but the ex-problem drinker who has found this solution, who is properly armed with facts about himself, can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. So learning about this uh, still-suffering compulsive overeater is very, very helpful to me um, because then I can kind of lay out my story in a way that gives them the greatest opportunity to identify in. The identification process is so important. I mean, when Abby showed up at Bill W.'s door, um, you know, Bill knew Ebby, and Bill knew how Ebby used to drink. And he knew if Ebby was staying sober, um, something was happening in Ebby's life uh, to make that possible, uh, because he identified in with Ebby. He understood Ebby. He knew how he drank, and he drank like him too. Um, So it's helpful, whether I'm talking uh, to the mother of a young bulimic or whether I'm talking to the still-suffering compulsive overeater, the more I learn about them, then the better I am and able to assist them, you know, in, in trying to identify in. Um, you know, and then I can share with them from that vantage point And I can say, you know what, I've had thousands of binges too. <laughs> thousands of binges just like you. Yes, I too have eaten off the floor. Yes, I, too, ate out of the garbage. Yes, I also, <laughs> I don't know, found myself eating frozen food or burnt food. Yes, me, too. I stole food. Yeah, I surely, I lied about food. I ate until I was on a, in a stupor on the couch. I did that also. I, yeah, I, I know what it's like to sit in a car in a dark parking lot and binge my brains out for a few hours until my eyeballs hurt. I did that also. You know, I yeah, I I know the medical consequences. Yes, yeah, I too had headaches and I had nausea from this and I and I uh, you know, was sick the next morning with a hangover and I know what it's like to live in an obese body. I understand your pain cuz I live that way too. Yeah, I I get the shame and humiliation of being fat and being locked in this disease of compulsive overeating. I understand that. I understand your background. And if this still-suffering compulsive overeater is also a bulimic or has some uh, anorexic sparks within her or him, then I pull out those elements of my story because I've been there too. You know, so I don't have any uh, interest in a, as a sponsor in personal uh, recognition or, or power, but I have enormous interest in having influence. Uh, not about being power hungry, it's just about the ability to touch lives. God uses recovered people. You know, we're agents. That's all we are, agents. Out of gratitude for all that's been given to us and out of tremendous love for this program of recovery, we are God's agents. And we are necessary, but we are not sufficient in any change that a person might make. But we can hopefully uh, reach out to someone and help them in their process. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Go ahead,
0: Raquel.
5: Hello, this is Rachel from Jerusalem. May I? Go ahead. Hi, hi. Hello to everybody for this wonderful meeting and and thank you, Janice. This uh, sentence about how it may spoil a further opportunity um, it touches my heart because I've done so much of that and I now, you know, being with the uh, reason for you and and its predecessor, I I really know and see how, just how does it spoil a further opportunity? And it's really hard to say that because we do plant a seed that the person knows that there exists a way that doesn't try to to rip us off and take a lot of money and make us lose some pounds and then put back twice as much as we lost. People want to hear about that, but to know that when I, when I will be able maybe to drag somebody into a meeting or two, and then they will think that they've seen it all and understood it all. and the next time when they are like maybe a little bit more ready, somebody will come up who really can help them, and as soon as they hear the name of this program, they ah, I know that, done that, I heard that, I've been, I've been to a few meetings. This is how it spoils it. So unless the person is really willing, unless you feel the person is interested, um, uh, this is how it spoils a further opportunity and I've run into people in town, um, many people who, you know, listen with great intent about what? About about the suffering, about the weight loss and all but but how? But how do you? well, I have a group that doesn't charge me an arm and leg or nothing. Just to come there and be inspired and do this, but 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 what what is it called? As soon as I say that it's over, it's because somebody else managed to drag them into a meeting or two. Um, ah, I said, ah, I've been there. I've done that. That's how it's always a further opportunity. So I'm more careful now. As soon as I hear the person, you know, um, that they are really you know, it's an interesting topic for them but they are nowhere anywhere near wanting to do really something about it they just leave it alone, even though, you know, I'd be greatly complimented if it really did something to them. But it it is real. This sentence is real about not spoiling the further opportunity by cajoling or lifting their arms or whatever. So they come to a community and they think they think they really know. Thank you, that's all I wanted to share, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Bucknell. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? All right, let's this move on to the next. Oh, go ahead, Sharon.
1: <laughs> thank you, Janice. Can you hear me? I can hear you. OK, thank you so much. Uh, <clears throat> Yes, both of these paragraphs really hit home with me um because I have been one of those that uh, struggled with this uh, addiction uh for many years and um and had so many people reach out to me and um over the years was just unable or unwilling to uh stay stopped and I see now the reason for that very very clearly um, I was not willing to uh, accept to the core of my being that this uh, addiction uh, was just as serious, probably even more serious for me because it started when I was very, very young um, with the food. And so there have been so many people over the years that uh, have sponsored me and have given me that, that hope, uh, even though it was temporary, but I'm just so grateful to know, I think it was something you shared, I wrote it down here, a man convinced against his will is still of the same opinion still. And that was me. I still was not willing to believe that this, there was no way out of this. And I did have to be beat into reasonableness over and over again. But I am so grateful that today I have by God's grace and mercy, have this uh, hope in my heart that this time, and I'm going through the steps on step nine, so to all you out on the line, yes, those steps do work. And um, I have this hope in my heart that this time I will stay stopped. I know I have a daily reprieve and I can uh, go right back out again. I know that very clearly today. But I'm so grateful for this phone line and um, for this big book coming alive to me again like it did many, many years ago. Um, so I thank you, and um, I thank you for your commitment um, to be on this line every single day uh, and every single day be willing to share what it is like uh, to be living in a recovered state and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you,
0: Sharon. Let's move on to the next paragraph. And Kathy, Kate, could you read that for us?
7: Sure. Can you hear me, Janice?
0: I can hear you.
7: Okay, thank you. Thanks, everyone who's on the line. Sometimes it is wise to wait till he gets goes on a binge. The family may object to this. But unless he is in a dangerous physical condition, it is better to risk it. Don't deal with him when he is very drunk unless he is ugly and the family needs your help. Wait for the end of the spree or at least for a lucid interval. Then let his family or a friend ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. <clears throat> you should be described to him as one of the fellowship who, as part of their own recovery, try to help others and who will, will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. Um, and I'm Kathy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I remember the first time I read this paragraph, I, I wasn't um, I wasn't comfortable with it. I thought it was um, unkind to let someone have another binge without trying to save them from it. And then I began to learn as I studied this book that the way I could be most helpful to another compulsive overeater was, to, in fact, to wait until they were really ready and wanting. Um, and so it has been since, for me, that the people I've had the opportunity to help um, have been people who um, have really come to me and said, I'm really ready um, I just can't live this way anymore. Um, can you help me? And the people that I tried to work with, um, because I saw in them a problem, but they were not yet aware of their own suffering, um, if I approached them, I was inevitably um, disappointed. And as it says here in the earlier paragraph, I'm really not using my time wisely to try to convince someone that they need this program. Um, and then this last sentence, um, we are one of a fellowship who, as part of our own recovery, try to help others. Um, you know, that that's one of the ways that um, I find is really helpful with a newcomer um, or for someone who's been around but still suffering, to let them know that my putting aside time to help them through the steps is a very important part of my own recovery. Just as we learn here, part of the 12th step is helping others uh, so that we can uh, stay in recovery and continue to develop our spiritual life. I pass.
0: Thank you, Kathy. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I comment? Go ahead, Paula. Well, there's so much here, but I'm just going to take one line. More than enough for me. Then let his family, our friend, ask him if he wants to quit for good. Now they're very clear here. They don't say for a day, they don't say for a month, for good. And that was the question that stopped me in my track because I never wanted to stop for good. I wanted to stop until I reached a certain weight, until a certain objective was gained, until the objective changed. That was the only way. It wasn't for a weight. It wasn't for an occasion. I wanted to draw closer to God himself. And it says, and if he would go to any extreme to do... To do so, and I tell you, I love the words they use they're very, very uh, clear here. Well, you know you can try this and no no, no, any extreme we know what an extreme is to do so. if he says yes, then we proceed. then his attention should be drawn that's it. How do you can be drawn to you by who you are, and to be helpful is our only aim? I'm still not criticizing. Oh, you say, but this is after a binge. No. Because if the tables were turned, that his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. It is what they see. I can still use the words, and they can still identify in. but it must be what they see, and they must want it more. You should be described to him, even a description, as one of a fellowship. Can you imagine... What a spark that word is. One of a fellowship. No ego involved here. I'm only one. Who, as part of their own recovery, there it is again. Always a reminder try to help others. And who will be glad, and that I will, to talk to him if he cares to see you again, the ball in his court. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass.
1: Thank you, Paula. Debbie. Go ahead, Debbie. Good morning. I uh, recovered compulsive reader in Montana. Looking forward to a big snowstorm this morning. I am so thankful that you're out there. And um, I just wanted to talk about the, is he ready? You know, is he completely done? Um, When my sponsor from Vision for You asked me that question, I knew that it was time, that I was completely ready. You know, maybe if she'd asked me that question a couple months before that, I don't know. But I knew that day that I was ready. And so I'm so grateful for Vision for You. With that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Debbie.
1: Well, this is Janice, and I am a
0: recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, the, the thing that I love about this particular paragraph is the reminder to me of who I am and what I'm trying to do here. You know, how how am I presenting myself, not only to the family, maybe to the friends, to, to whoever is recommending me, how am I being presented as someone who's part of a fellowship who, as part of their own recovery, tries to help someone else? you know i I am reminded of that every time my phone rings every time I talk to a newcomer, every time someone new comes to my meeting and I realize that the meeting is for the newcomer, just like this meeting is for the newcomer. You know for someone new who wants what I have, my job in order to stay in my own recovery, it's to try to be helpful to them. You know, Bob and Bill knew that. They knew that. That service was the whole underlying foundation of how they were going to stay sober. You know, and, and to go to talk to someone new was an integral, most important part of their own recovery, of their own spiritual recovery of thinking and acting that if I don't do that I cannot keep what was given to me you know and that's how I want to be described you know that do I do it because I love watching the light come on in someone's eyes yes I do but even more than that I do it to ensure my own immunity to ensure my own recovery that I get to stay closer to my higher power in that spiritual way of thinking and acting. It's, a, it's the greatest blessing in the world to me. And then the ringside key to the miracle it's fabulous to watch someone grab hold, find what I found when they're ready. When they're ready. And not one moment before, I had to be ready exactly when I was ready. And so does this person that I'm attempting to help. And I don't know what that timing is for them. Maybe it's going to happen after that last big binge. Maybe it's going to happen because they just woke up like me and said, I cannot live this way anymore. You know, so thank God, thank God we are here together trying to help others. And is there anyone else who would like to have one more share before we close for today? This is Sally. Go ahead, Sally. Thank you, thank you Janice, for your service. I just wanted to... Um, and with this sentence here, you should be described to him as one of the fellowship who, as part of their own recovery, try to help others and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. And here again, I'm reminded that um, of my own position, if I were this person who had um, gone back into having another binge and um, wasn't really quite finished until after this this last binge here, which is being described on this page, I know that there would be a lot of shame that I would be experiencing. And I also know that if someone were to come to me, I would hope that they would come to me with a level of love and acceptance, acceptance more than anything and not shame on you because it's in that environment, an environment of acceptance and love and tolerance that a person can then lower their defenses and be willing to listen Otherwise, we put up our defense and we are, you know, we're so ashamed of ourselves that we just throw up the walls of defense. And so um, when it says that you should be described to him as one of a fellowship who, as part of their recovery, try to help others and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. So what I see being described here is a person that would come to me who is humble enough to say, Hey, I, I'm just like you. I'm in the same boat that you're in, except that I have made the decision, I have put the substance down, I'm 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 now part of a group who is recovering, and um, I'm here to help you, but I'm here to help myself because it's in helping you, I help myself. It's a, really it's such a beautiful thing that's being presented here because we're, we're being told to go to them in a position of humility, in a position of, of acceptance and, and letting that person know, hey, I'm just like you. I'm just like you. I, and I'm not coming here shaking my finger with a finger of shame on you because I'm just like you. Thanks for letting me share. That thank you, Sally. Well, thank you to everyone who shared today. Thank you for Diane and for Melanie for doing the steps and traditions, and for the readers, Chelsea, Katie, F., Kathy, K., and Lisa, and for everyone who shared. Now we will close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Lisa, could you read that for us?
4: yes good morning Janice good morning everyone this is Lisa Renee from South Jersey our book is meant to be suggestive only we realize we know only a little God will constantly disclose more to you and to us ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick the answers will come if your own house is in order